Last week we started a series, and I, I called it um, The Anatomy of CTC. And last week I gave you the definition for anatomy. Now, I, I never claimed to be an expert in anatomy. In anatomy. I, I never took it in class. I, it, you know, it didn't, uh, it, it wasn't anything that I was, you know, just, oh, i got to take that class. I've heard, uh, I, know, I know some of you may have took it and you enjoyed it and liked it. Some of you had to take it. You had no choice. Um, but the definition is this. It is the science dealing with the structure of animals and plants. And, and now I know that the church is not an animal or a plant, right? Sometimes we act like animals maybe. I don't know. Uh, we have plants, right? Around, the, well, not no more. They died. Uh, I try not to take care of plants very much. I, I don't do very good. Uh, although we had an African violet that lasts forever, we couldn't kill that thing through two moves. And finally, we just said, we're done taking care of it and threw it out. <laughs> it never would die. It, was, it, was, it just kept growing and kept growing. And, I don't, you, know, we did no, you know, we did nothing. Half the time, we didn't even water it, did we? <laughs> And it just, it was, it was like the, the miracle plant, you know. Uh, but anyway, that was a side point. But the church, this church, any church, has a structure, and that is what we looked at last week. Several years ago, we formed a vision team here at the church. And that vision team came up with the vision for our church, and, and we have done our best to post that vision at different places. You can see it out on the front, uh, the front window out here, uh, where you see the, it says, um, uh, seek, connect, reach. That's the vision of our church. That is what we have been trying to uh, put into people's lives. Uh, it's seek God, connect with people, reach lives. That's what we came up with. That's what we all felt in agreement, came to. It was a, it was a, a two-year process, I think, that we went, or a year-and-a-half process that we went through to come up with this, and, and uh, it was just amazing what God had done through those that were on the vision team that we went to different meetings up in, up in the northwest Arkansas at different times, and, and it, was just, it was just amazing what God had done. We believe that this is the purpose of our church. We believe that this is what God has called us to do. God wants us to seek Him, Amen? God wants us to seek Him. He wants us to connect with people, and He wants us to reach lives. We are to reach out. It's important for those three things to be our focus. Uh, when we bring the vision into focus, we are fulfilling those three things. That is our focus. Seek, connect, reach. Seek, connect, reach. Seek God. Connect with people. Reach lives. Today and next Sunday, I want to take a closer look at these three things. Part of our makeup of a church is seeking God. We exist to seek God. That's why we are here. God has placed us on this earth, people, to worship Him, to have that fellowship with Him. So I want to take a closer look at what exactly it means to seek God. So when you, when you look up the word seek in the dictionary, it says this. 
attempt to find something. How many has ever looked for something? I mean, you know, you lose something, especially if it's something that's important to you. Uh, I mean, you go, you go crazy for it. I, I had a, um, I had a ten dollar bill. This is this is a funny story. I had a ten dollar bill that I had that someone had given to me, and I stuck in my pocket. I think I, I think it was a, was it my jacket? It was a, I think it was my pants pocket. Yeah, it was a. It was a I had slacks on that day. I stuck it in my pocket. Well, I left here, went home. It was it was a Sunday. Left, went home, and uh, I went looking for that ten dollar bill later. This was a year ago. This was uh, it was matter of fact, it was last not this past 2014, but 2013. Pastor appreciation. Someone gave me a ten dollar bill, stuck it in my pocket, and I went looking for it, and I couldn't find it. I mean, I couldn't find it. I mean, it. I had I, I remembered putting it in my pocket, and then I you know how you retrace your steps. You ever done that? You go and you retrace. I went and looked around where I was in the sound booth. I looked around that. I, I looked through my places that I had walked, went to my classroom. I looked everywhere. Could not find this $10 bill. I looked all throughout my car. I mean, I, I thought I'd tore my car apart trying to find it. Just looked under the seat everywhere. I could not find this $10 bill. And, uh, and we even, uh, there was a place we thought, well, it might have fell out there. And uh, never went back to that spot. And I thought, well, you ever, I don't know if you've ever done, I, I do this. I'm like, well, whoever's got it, they need it more than I do. I just, I was like, you know, that's just a divine appointment. You know, God gave them $10. And it was, I was the, I got to give the blessing and didn't know it, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Well, six months later, seven months later, uh, we, we were at, this was before we moved to our new house. We were living in Hackett. And Maley had to go look for something out in the, uh, our, our car, our, our escape. Said, hey, uh, we said, says, probably out in the car, go look under the seats. She's looking, of course, Maley, you know, she's a little skinny little thing. She's looking up under the seat. She goes, hey, here's a $10 bill. This is six or seven, eight months later. I mean, it's it was. I mean, it's been. A, I've totally forgotten about this. And so, one, so they come in. Hey, Maley found a ten dollar bill in the car. I said, I bet that's the ten dollars that I lost out of my pocket that day. But it had wedged into a spot that only she probably could have found because I looked all over that car and couldn't find it. But uh, so we do that, right? If something is lost, we go nuts trying to find it, looking everywhere that we could possibly look going through stuff. We, we pull cabinets apart if it's something that we need or something that we've got to have that we know it was here. I know it was here. I love what Bill Cosby says. Bill Cosby says, if you, he says, he says uh, you go to a room. Have you ever done this? You get up. I need to go get this. You go to this room and you get in there and you realize, wait, I don't, what am I looking for? You ever done that? Oh, come on. We know we have. I have. And then you go right back and you sit down Oh, I remember now. You ever do that? You know, it's, it's like something, you know, sitting back down, it jars it back up into your memory, you know. He said, so the next time that you're in that room and you can't remember what you're looking for, he says, you'll take your hand and place it right there and just push, it'll jar it back up into your memory. So try that next time, see if it works for you. It didn't work for me, but maybe it'll work for you, so... But um, 
Anyway, so when we seek something, we look crazy after it, right? We're going, I mean, we're looking everywhere. We're going through cabinets, and I mean, it's just it's crazy. Probably one of the most uh, scriptures that we recognize when we think about seeking after God is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. I wanted to go look at the Old Testament. Because before Jesus ever spoke these words... God the Father was telling us, was telling his people to seek me. Seek him. Seek God with all of your heart. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. Moses is speaking to the people here. And he says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him. I love this. With all your heart and with all your soul. God tells us in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, He says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Isn't that great to know that if we seek God, if we look after God, look for God, we will find God. He's always there. Jeremiah chapter 19 verse 13 tells us, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Verse Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 25 tells us, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. You know, forever, forever, always, God has wanted us to seek after him. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to seek after him. Now, unlike objects that we seek out, you know, once you find them, you stop looking, right? And sometimes when we don't find them, we just, we just give up and stop looking. But if it's something that's really important to us, we keep, we keep looking. And when we find it, we're like, oh, there it is. I knew I wasn't crazy, right? <laughs> I knew it was somewhere. I just had to remember where I put it, you know. Um, but unlike those objects that you should continually, you, or unlike those objects, you should continually seek God because there is something new with God every day. Amen? There's newness with God every single day. So yes, even though we find God, you know, you ever hear people say, I found God? You ever hear them say that? Just because you find him at, a, at an altar one time doesn't mean you stop looking for his promises. God has much more to give you than just that one-time experience. It should be a continual experience each and every day each and every week. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. 
Behold, I love this, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, God has new things for us every single day. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 20 through 22 and 23 says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions they fell not. Anybody understand? know what that is? They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There's scripture right there. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. God has many blessings for us. So as long as we are continually seeking God and his face, then we will see new blessings every day. Amen? I want all the blessings that God wants to give me. I want all of them. God has blessings just waiting to pour out upon us. And all we got to do is constantly be seeking after him and saying, God, here I am. I receive it. And when we seek God, we're learning to love God. Amen? We know God loves us. Amen? Does everybody understand? God loves us. doesn't matter what we've done. God loves us. Why do we know that? Because he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. He did that for us. He said, I'm going to send my son, Jesus, down here to earth. He's going to live amongst you, and he's going to die on a cross. He's going to be that ultimate sacrifice. If you got your Bibles, go with me to John, 1 John. Not, not the book of John, but 1 John. It's right, it's right before uh, Revelation. I guess all of them are before Revelation. <laughs> right after 2 Peter. How about that? 1 John, go to chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I always... I'll, most of the time, I always read. Most of the time, I read from the New King James. So, if you've got your phones, I'm in the New King James. First John chapter four, verse nine. It says, "In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him." In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So, this is what I just talked about. This is why he sent Jesus to earth. It was for us. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen? So look at what it says at verse, in verse 11 again. It says, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So if we love God, then we learn to love people. Amen? And that brings me to my next part of our vision. It's connect with people. I want to ask you a question. Do you always like people? Notice I said like. The answer is no. There are times that we don't like people. Let's be honest with each other. How about when they cut you off in traffic? Come on. Do you like people when they cut you off in traffic? It makes you want to do some things that aren't very nice, don't it? Let's be honest. 
If we were honest with ourselves and with each other, I think we could say, yes, I am a terrible person when it comes to people cutting me off or people doing stupid things on the road, and that's one thing that I deal with every single day. It's like, God, please help me. I'm bad, aren't I? I'm terrible. How about when they take your parking space at Walmart? How awful is that, right? Here it is. You've been circling that parking lot for three hours looking for the perfect spot, and you finally find it, and you're getting ready to pull in, and what happens? Here comes the guy flying in from out of nowhere take your spot. Makes you want to get out and go all Medea on them. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever seen uh, uh, Medea goes to jail? When she takes that, what is that, the uh, pitchfork or whatever and goes, grabs that car, picks it up, and dumps it? Makes you want to do that, don't it? Or how about when people say mean things to you and they don't know that you're around listening to them? They're just over there talking and bad-mouthing you. Makes you not like those people, right? What about, uh, how about they plaster your business all over Facebook? I'm going to say something right here. Facebook is not the place for you to put your drama on. Okay? Keep it off of Facebook. Nobody wants to know about it. It's private. There are some things that need to remain private. Amen? And there are some things that you can share with everybody else. But there are most stuff needs to just remain private. Keep it that way. It's your business. Nobody else's. Don't share it. Number one, it's not benefiting anybody else. Okay? If you've got drama in your life, if you've got things that are going on in your life, you telling somebody else or blasting somebody else on Facebook or hurting somebody else's feelings on Facebook, it's not helping anybody else. It's tearing people down. The only thing that you should do is be lifting people up. Social media can be an, a fantastic tool. It can be a great way to minister to people if you're using it to lift people up. But if all you're doing is tearing people down, then the best thing for you to do is to get off social media because it's not bent and fit in no one. Okay, I'm done. Moving on. When people realize how much God loves people and how much he wants us to love people then we love people because of God's love for us hear me amen Jesus gave us a great example get out your Bibles again we're going to Luke chapter 10 a great example to the people of his day about loving people. This was a great example. And I want you to go Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. I want us to look at this together. It says, and behold. Everybody there? I'm sorry. I jumped the gun, I guess. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It's the story of the Good Samaritan says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So the lawyer answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, 
with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. This is what Jesus is telling the lawyer. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, this is the lawyer, he says, and who is my neighbor? Oh, now he just opened up a whole new can of worms because Jesus is about to tell him who his neighbor is. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan... As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So already a priest, you would think this guy's supposed to show compassion for a man that's lying half dead on the side of the road. And a Levite, same deal, a religious leader, supposed to show compassion, right? But no, it wasn't the two that we would normally think would, would show compassion. It was a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan is one of the most hated people amongst the people of Jerusalem. They were hated. They were people of that area, Israel. They were hated. They would be like the Taliban today. You say, well, how is that I'm telling you, that's how hated they were. People didn't want to have anything to do with them. They were the scum of the earth. So let's read on. Verse 34. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. And then Jesus asked this question to the lawyer. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. You notice what the lawyer says? He who showed mercy on him. He couldn't even say, well, it was a Samaritan. He referred to him as, well, it was the guy that showed mercy on him. He couldn't admit in that moment that the most hated person amongst Israel was the one being the neighbor being the good neighbor. So Jesus uses this example here during his time to show people that there is some good in everyone and that no matter who we might come in contact with, we are to extend a hand of love. Do what is right. We are to make connections with people. Amen? It's our job. 
It's the whole reason why we are here. Now, for the most part, none of us would have any problem fellowshipping with anybody in here. Amen? We all fellowship. We all hang out. Let's go eat. Let's do something, right? But what if someone from the outside of our church comes in? I'm not saying that you wouldn't. I just want to make sure that you would and make sure that you understand that it's important that we fellowship with them in the same manner. Just as we would fellowship with somebody that we know all the time, we bring them in, we welcome them in, we welcome them with open arms and say, come in, we want to connect with you, we want to make you a part of our family. If you see someone that you may not know very well, get to know them. You may find that you like them very much, right? If you come to the food pantry and help out, make connections with those people. Don't just view them as a project. Earnestly care for their needs. And I want to encourage people to get involved in a connect group so that you can make connections with people here at church. And this is a great way for you to have a support group that can help you pray for a need that you might have. Amen? God believes that it is important to make connections with people. Look at what happened with the early church. If you want to, you can go to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I want to read this real quickly. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You see, we make connections so that we can help and minister to each other. Amen? That's why we make connections. That's the point. We are to make connections. Connecting with people. The benefit of a connect group is so that you have a group of people that can pray for you. Your connect group is there to give you support when you're going through a rough time in your life. Your connect group is, is there to bring you maybe a meal after a surgery or to celebrate something special that happens in your life. Not only should you make connections with people in the church, but you should also make connections with people outside the church. What are you doing outside these four walls to make connections to those outside the church? Think about it. What are some things that you're doing? Are you involved in maybe organizations or clubs outside the church? Are, are, are you volunteering for different ministries? There are ministries that are taking place that our church don't do that you can be involved in. There are things that you can be involved in. We are to be a church. We are to be the bridge. The church is the bridge that connects Jesus to the community. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We make those connections. We, we need to be involved in things outside of the church. But we need to build relationships outside the church. Those are the people 
that you get opportunities to minister to. I want to leave you with this, and I'm done. It is our responsibility as individuals to make connections outside of the church. You know, that is the way that the church in Acts grew. They made connections. They connected with people. They met their needs. They did whatever they could do to touch lives, to reach lives. And that's what we are to do.